Good morning, Pillar community. As Jonathan said, my name is Trigvi Johnson, and it is just a joy to be with you and in worship together this morning. As a member of the Pillar community, I just want to testify what a consequential place this community has been for me and for our family. And so I just want to say thank you. And I also want to begin by bringing greetings from your brothers and sisters at Hope College. And for any of you who are watching online today, I would love to invite you, if you are in the college-seeking season of your life, to maybe give Hope a try. I'd love to be your college pastor. Let me begin by echoing also a happy Father's Day to all of you who are joining us. To those who are fathers or sons of a father, or maybe you have played a significant fatherly role in someone's life, we see you today and we celebrate your life. And we also recognize that this is a day where we remember those fathers we have lost, or those people in our lives that have been like fathers to us. I'm a father of two, Trigvi Jr. and Ella, 12 and 10, respectfully. I love being a father. But I've also learned that being a father is not easy. It's not easy knowing how to navigate a young person's life in this complex world. My nostalgia thinks that it was easier in the past. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But in my experience, knowing what to do is sometimes hard. How to be a good father. One of the things that I try to do, or at least I think about as a dad, as a father, as a parent, is trying to say those important words to my son and my daughter, to my beloved Kristen, the important words again and again and again. The words that we need to hear over and over so that we don't forget them, because if we forget them, we do so at our own peril. Words like, I love you, thank you, I see you. Or one of the most important words I've learned as a father, um, no. But the words we need to say over and over again are important for us to launch us into this life God so loves. I found that one of the best times to practice reciting the words over and over again, the words that I want my kids to carry into this complex and wild, wonderful life is at bedtime. And at bedtime, I got a routine, particularly with Ella, our daughter. Our routine begins with reading on the big bed. Right now, it's forced family reading, FFR, and we're reading The Hobbit. Uh, I'm reading this out loud at a very slow pace to Ella. And at this rate, I think that we will finish sometime about her junior year in high school. And for any of you who don't know my family or Ella, she just finished fourth grade. So we've got a ways to go. But we read. And after we read, Ella puts herself together, brushes her teeth, washes her face, puts her PJs on, and then she climbs into her bed. And then we sing. Maybe it's a song, you know, you know this song with me. And if you do, sing it with me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, 
Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. After we sing, I give a kiss goodnight, and then we pray. We say the same prayer every night. The night, click on the sound machine. We like the rain setting in our family. And then I click on the fan and let that begin to whirl. And then I quietly, I shut off the lights. I quietly close the door. I sneak away and get on the other side of the door and raise my hands in victory. Yes, she's down. That's our routine. Recently, we did our routine, read on the big bed, read about Bilbo and Gandalf and washed our face, brushed our teeth, put the PJs on, climbed into bed. We sang our song, and then I uh, turned on the sound machine and clicked on the fan, and it began to whirl, and I began to creep away. And Ella said, Dad, you didn't say it. You didn't pray it. You forgot to pray. Sure enough, I forgot to pray. I forgot to say the words that I say over and over and over again. So I went back to her bed, and I prayed. Lord, would you bless Ella and keep her? May you make your face shine upon her and be gracious to her. May you lift your countenance upon her and give her peace. Amen. It's a simple prayer. It's one you probably know. It's one that has been prayed over you or you have heard as a benediction at some time in your life. And this is the prayer that I want to say over and over and over again. I want to groove this into Ella's soul like the best music pressed into vinyl so that at any time in her life she will be able to put that needle down and remember something fundamental about this God who loves her. Of course, this is from Numbers chapter 6, verses 23 through 27. Here's how it comes to us in the book that we love, the bush that burns and is never consumed. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites, and you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord make... Uh, Lord, lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And so you will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's known as Aaron's blessing or Aaron's benediction. It is a blessing that we have heard over and over and over again. It's an ancient yet familiar words. There are three lines. And in Hebrew, the first line has three words, and the second line in Hebrew, the, the, there are five words. And in the third line, there are seven words, each building on one another, all of them reminding us something fundamental about who God is, that if we forget, we forget at our own peril. Aaron's blessing has a through line of receptive history for all the covenant people of God. It's an ancient yet familiar word. It's ancient. It's old. In fact, we can prove that it is old. 
1979 at Katef Hinnon, there was a dig where they found silver amulets. And on these amulets were inscribed almost the exact words of number six. And inside the amulets were uh, manuscripts that had this written on that, meaning that the the people of God have been saying this a long time. They were dated back to about 600 BC, about 400 years before the next manuscripts that we have uh, in clarity at the Dead Sea Scrolls. So we've been saying this as a people of God for a long, long time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's old ancient. We say it over and over and over again, week after week, month after month, year after year, century after century, for two and a half millennia, which is why they're so familiar. To this day, in the Jewish tradition, whether Reformed or Orthodox or any of the variations, this is still the custom at the end of worship. The rabbi would be on a platform. The talit, the prayer shawl, would be over him, and he would lift up his hands like this and offer Aaron's benediction, Aaron's blessing. The people in the congregation will also have their prayer talits over them, symbolizing they're covered by the grace and protection of God. Interesting to note that as a boy, Leonard Nimoy, used to attend Orthodox Jewish services, would be under his father's talent, and he would peek out and he would look up at the rabbi, and he would notice that the hands were spread just so. And years later, when they were making the TV show Star Trek, he thought that his character Spock needed a mysterious welcome And so he invented the Vulcan salute, live long and prosper, which is a direct descendant of Aaron's blessing or benediction, which I just think is kind of cool, that even in popular culture, God's word finds a way to come to the masses and give blessing. Because maybe, just maybe, this is teaching us something fundamental about God. So even today in the Jewish tradition, and in all stripes of the Christian tradition, Catholic and Orthodox and Reformed, Methodist, Presbyterian, wherever the God's people gather, you will often hear at the end of a worship service, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And the people will say, amen. Amen, truly. Because this is a word we need to hear over and over again because it gives us a fundamental picture of God. A God who's telling us something about himself. What is your picture of God? Do you have one? I mean, when you close your eyes, I don't mean a picture like an image. I don't mean a picture like a a grandfatherly figure uh, with a gray beard. I don't mean a picture in a visual sense. I mean a picture of a, an idea of what God does. What is God's heart? What is God's nature? 
I've learned along the way that a good picture of God is good theology, and good theology is always good pastoral care. And we need to groove those deep pictures of God into our soul so that wherever we go, north, south, east, or west, we will not forget the fundamental truth of God's character and God's nature who is for us. And this, this picture of God, I think, is also fitting for a Father's Day for parents because I think it teaches us maybe something fundamental about how we care for others. How to be a father or a mother, how to be a friend, or maybe simply just how to be a follower of Jesus. The picture of God that I love, it begins, the Lord bless you and keep you. That's the heart of God. That's the fundamental picture of God. God blesses you, keeps you. Aaron's blessing or Aaron's benediction is meant not only individualistically but communally. It is said to the people of Israel, but it's also said to you specifically. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And notice that as it is being said, who's doing the blessing? The priest is speaking, but it is the Lord who is the subject and object of this benediction. It is the Lord who does the blessing. Again and again and again, we wake up every day into this wild, wonderful, beautiful creation that God so made with his very word, and he blesses us. The very nature of God is one of blessing and keeping. That is who God is for you. And for us. I love how I keep coming back to this fundamental picture that God is not an abstraction. For in the Hebrew mind, to be blessed is something certain and specific. To be blessed and receive a blessing from God is something more than money can purchase. It, it, it communicates life and flourishing. It communicates family children, abundance of harvest, it, a, a, a land, a place, a community, all of these blessings are in, given from God freely from his generous hand. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord keep you. It's a picture of a God who is a protector and a defender for his people. And when the context with this was given, when Moses spoke to Aaron and his sons, they're out in the Sinai wilderness, an inhospitable land. There's no shade. They're completely exposed. They're vulnerable to enemies, to disease. They can't run out to the grocery store and pick up a little something-something for dinner. No, they are completely dependent on God. And in this harsh land, they would gather to worship, and at the end of worship, they would hear the rabbi say, the Lord bless you and keep you. And I have to imagine that those words had to be so reassuring in that inhospitable wilderness. And I think sometimes many of us find ourselves in a, in a wilderness in our lives, and we forget the very picture of God, that God is for you, that God wants to bless you and keep you, to bless you with the most important things in our life. 
I want this to be grooved into Ella's soul because there will be a day when I'm not there. She'll be off living her life. And I won't be able to protect and to keep her, but I want her to know that there is a God who loves her, who will bless her and keep her. And as I groove those words into my soul, I want to remember that I have an opportunity as a father, as a parent, as a friend, as a follower of Jesus to use my words and to use my time and to use my resources to bless and to keep. And what would it be like if we took Aaron's blessing and we actualized this into our community life that we all got up every single day into this wild, wonderful world God so created and loved and redeemed and we said we will bless and keep. We will do all that we can to give what we can, to give it away, to be a community of people that bless and keep each other. Because one of the things I believe about this church is this church has been that for so many and it's been that for me. It's been a community that doesn't want to be in a holy huddle, but to be out on the highways and the byways, to be out in the community, to every sector of public life, to bless and to keep. I love that picture of God. I also love the picture, not only of blessing and of keeping, but the, the picture of the Lord shining his face upon you and being gracious to you. I love that image, and I need to think about it daily. Eugene Peterson in the message translates, the face shining on you is God smiling at you. God is smiling at you. Is that your picture of God? I'll confess that sometimes I really struggle with that, that for a lot of time in my life, even though I lo- know God cognitively loves me, sometimes I have a picture of God's disappointment or distant. But I need to hear again and again and again the very simple truth that God is smiling at me, at us, that that is the heart of God. His face, his face is looking at us, smiling, and it's intimate, and it's personal. It's deliberate. It's intentional act of God to look and to bring his joy upon us. One of the hardest parts of the pandemic for me was just simply having uh, to wear masks. We would wear these masks everywhere we would go, and some places we still are, I, I realized that. What was hard for me wasn't the debate about public health. That never really seemed that interesting to me to weaponize a conversation on public health. But what was hard for me about the mask was simply I couldn't see people's faces. I missed being able to read the unintended body language, the, the smiles and the joys. And though I learned to begin to read that in people's eyes, I just longed for the day when we would take the masks off and we could just see each other. Because there's something about seeing each other's faces. My son just uh, finished sixth grade and he got his first middle school yearbook. And he and his sister Ella loved to take that out and to look at all the different people and find their friends' faces. There's something about their faces. Psalm 27 says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me 
and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. And Aaron's blessing reminds us that God is not hiding his face from us. He is looking at us and he is smiling. And that is what I need to remember and see. That God is every single day intentionally, intimately looking at us so that we can look at him and know that we are loved. Recently, I've been reading up on attachment theory, and I stumbled across the work of Karen Purvis, who works with children who have been traumatized or abused. It's hard work, but important work. And she tells that when a child has been traumatized, that they haven't been able to make the attachments to adults or the people who are supposed to love them in the way that they're supposed to do. And when you try to talk to them, they look away. They can't look you in the eye. The, the very people who were supposed to protect them and defend them failed. And so these children have just learned to protect themselves, and they do so by averting their eyes. And Karen Purvis says that one of the things she does in therapy with these children is that when she speaks to them, they look away. She just simply takes gently her hand under their chin and draws it back, and she simply looks at them with eyes of compassion, eyes of love, and she smiles at them. They look away, and she just brings it back. And she does this over and over and over again until that child can look you in the eye and smile back. I can't help but wonder if that's why God told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons and that throughout history, throughout the canyons of time, these same words have been said over and over and over again to the people of God. And that every time we hear it, we are reminded that God is looking at us and smiling. That maybe Aaron's blessing is like Karen Purvis just putting God's hand under our chin and looking at him so we don't avert our eyes from the compassion and the eternal love of God for us. He makes his face shine upon us and is gracious to us. He lifts his countenance and gives us peace. The countenance is another image of God's face, a person who lifts their face towards you intentionally. It is an image of blessing, of favor, of generosity, this countenance, and it gives us its, God's peace. The ultimate goal at the very end of this blessing is the ultimate goal of human life, what we were created for. The original design where God was in a knit community and everything was flourishing. For you know that shalom, peace in the Bible means more than just a ceasefire between enemies. Peace, shalom in the Bible is the webbing together of justice and fulfillment and delight. It means that we have been fully reconciled with God and with each other and with ourselves and with creation. To be given shalom is what we were made for. It is the end goal of our salvation. Not just to get a passport to go to heaven, but that we would be creatures flourishing in this wild, wonderful world God so loves. It ends by giving us his peace. This is what God does. God's relentless pursuit to give us the reality of a situation where we are reconciled to all things. 
He lifts his countenance upon us and gives us his peace. And the good news today is we celebrate that truth. That truth is actualized in Jesus Christ. This table is a place we come to remember that we have been justified. And at this table, we are sanctified. And at this table, we are reminded that in Jesus, we have received blessing and we have been kept. In Jesus, we see God's own face shining on us. And in on the cross, we see God's graciousness where he lifts his countenance and in the resurrection gives us his peace. In John 20, right after the resurrection, Jesus wipes the cobwebs from his eyes and steps out of the darkness in the bright light of a fresh new dawn. And he finds the disciples, and though the doors are shut, like so many of our hearts, he stands before them and simply says, peace be with you. And I can't help but think that maybe, just maybe, Jesus had Aaron's benediction, Aaron's blessing on his mind. That now I have given you my peace, now and forever. You belong to me, body and soul, and there's nothing ever that shall ever separate you from my love. That's the good news. That's what Aaron's blessing is giving us as a picture of who God is and what we celebrate this morning and why it was so important I needed to go back to Ella and give her this prayer that is also your prayer and my prayer the prayer that launches us into every sector of public life to bear witness of the goodness and grace and love and power of a God who is for us. The prayer that says simply, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.